Hey, ebook readers, right now, the Flight Attendant Joe series ebooks are only $2.99. That's Fasten Your Seatbelts and Eat Your Fucking Nuts, Flight Attendant Joe, and I'm Just Here for the Layovers on Amazon, iTunes, Nook, and Kobo, $2.99 each. Hey, everybody, if you enjoy listening to Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe, now is your chance to become a patron of the podcast. Go check out www.patreon.com slash grounded with flight attendant Joe. There's different tiered levels and each of one of them comes with something special and unique, including the Friday debrief, which is a short podcast episode that I record on Friday mornings, just me and my coffee. And it's only available on the Patreon page for patrons. So again, check that out. www.patreon.com slash grounded with flight attendant Joe. Hello, everybody. It is June 18th, 2020, and welcome to episode 33 of the Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today is a very exciting day and something new for the podcast. My, my episode for today ran so long. The conversation with my guests ran so long. And when when you're recording, you don't want to just say, oh, times are up. If it's a great conversation, you got to keep going. So at at the three hour mark, when the podcast episode ended, I was like, oh, well, I can't, I'm not going to, I'm not Joe Rogan. I'm not going to just release one episode that's three hours. So for the first time in, in this podcast history, my conversation is a two-parter. And today on June 18th is part one with my guest, who is the incredible Nathan Gresham. He is a writer, director, producer. He is the magician who made LJ and I on the Confessions on the Fly with LJ and Flight Attendant Joe podcast. He made us not sound as crazy as we are. He was the producer. We talked about his um, movie that he's written and he's going to be directing, Forced for the Trees, which was supposed to start um, filming in March, but they had to postpone for the pandemic. We talked about protesting. He lives in Hollywood and he went protesting and he got arrested after curfew. So he talks about what it was like being handcuffed, being put on the bus. They brought them to somewhere where they weren't supposed to. They kind of lied to him. He also did what I would have done. He's standing there. He's arrested. He's in handcuffs. He starts chatting with the cops about what's going on. It was just a great conversation. Welcome Nate to the show for part one of the conversation. Are you ready? We're recording. Hey, welcome Nate Gresham to flight to, I don't even know the name of my podcast grounded with flight. Attendant Jesus Joe. Christ, Joe. I'm a mess. Well, listen, I'm, I'm already, I'm half. Well, I was like, you know what? Let me make of martini because anytime I record anything after 5 PM, I think it's okay to drink while I'm working. Right. So I was like, let me make a martini. And then I made it and then I drank half of it. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> this is Nate. I need to have a backup. Yeah. You better be, you better be three or, three or four deep. So. so, Hey, Nate, I'm so excited. Can I just tell you, I have known you for years and I've had your last name wrong in my phone. Everyone does. It's, it's not a problem. I in my phone, I have it as where are you? Um, Gershon, <laughs> like yeah, like Gherkin. Yeah, but that's not it. It's Gershon. 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 Gershon so yeah. Can you please tell everyone because they're like, yeah, they know each other, but I don't think I know this guy. Can you let everyone know who you are and what you? I'm. Do? I'm very uh, under the radar. I like to keep a low profile, which is 
smart doing podcasts, I guess. Um, Unless you're I, yeah. yeah, well, there you go. Um, that's, a, that's one of those questions that's really hard to peg down. Um, I've never been good at like filling out a bio <laughs> or even a resume for that matter. Um, cause I'm kind of all over the map, uh, when it comes to like, where I'm from, what I do, who, you know, my interests, it's, it's, there's a definitely a gambit that runs all the way through all, all life. But, uh, I'm, I'm a, from a, I'm a, from a tiny town in Northern Minnesota that has like 1500 people. Um, I came out to, uh, LA after a stint in Vegas for three and a half years during the economic uh, collapse of our country, which was fun. Um, basically trying to pursue more or less a, uh, a, I would say film career, but it's more of like a, a film and TV production career is a little more accurate. Um, I'm not willing to subjugate myself to one uh, pathway versus another. Um, so yeah, so I'm, I, I do lots of stuff. I'm a, kind of a DIY fanatic and uh i have a lot of outlets um i actually used to help you with a different podcast back I in the know. day so that's kind of where we uh Very we, we, we truly bonded on those days well when you're so, working yeah. when you're working with lj you have to bond with someone you've got to have <laughs> you've got to have an outlet when you closed the when we used to work on confessions on the fly where you would close the door and i would be like help me jesus i'm stuck <laughs> in here for third no i'm kidding i love lj um yeah, but yeah you were the you are our producer you were the guy who you know did everything and all we did uh, was act stupid in front of the camera so Right. And you don't miss me at all, I bet. Um, you know, it's really different. So so let me it you is. know, it was hard for you to answer that question. And I, I'm getting the yeah. vibe that you don't really like to talk about yourself. So this is gonna be I'm not great at it. For, for, well, this yeah. is gonna yeah. be so fun for me because I love pulling information yeah, out great. of people. Yeah, it's perfect. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. But you know, you're a writer, you're a director, you're a producer, you create and build your own sets you do your own makeup i mean you kind of went you forgot to mention how fucking cool you actually are you said you said you were from minnesota and i'm like that is the least coolest yeah thing. and we're gonna get I, it, we're gonna get to it's that a starting point it's a starting point but um but nate was the guy if 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 you're listening to this podcast you probably know me from confessions on the fly with lj and flight attendant joe and nate was the guy who made it look like we knew what we were doing yeah you definitely did not we have no <laughs> and and i miss you well here's the thing i learned a lot from you now because i am managing my own podcast i don't yeah, have yeah. I, don't, I don't have the video aspect which to me sounds like I need fine. five more martinis because yeah. I just, I think of how much work this is now. And then I think, oh my goodness, like to put a video aspect into it, I'm going to need like an intern. Yeah, no, it was, it was, I mean, for me, I have, I, I have a background in that, uh, obviously just doing film and, and some TV for work and stuff. So, um, but, but the great thing was for me is at the time I was like, I, I don't think that, I think I gave up on my podcast cause I had a podcast for like, I did like four or five episodes. So it's nothing like what you guys did, but I definitely, um, I've been, I built a studio in my spare bedroom because my roommate moved out and I wasn't really interested in having another one. Um, not that it was, it was bad. It's just, I just, you know, 
live with roommates long enough. You just not need to have not have roommates anymore for a while. So I took it upon myself to kind of gut that room and then turn it into a studio of some kind. And I mainly did it to, to do my podcast, but it turned out I enjoyed like helping people make their podcast more than I enjoyed doing my own. Cause I'm, I, if you can't, I'm not great at talking about myself. I'm not even great. I'm, I, as a filmmaker, I will do everything except for be on camera. I am t- terrible on camera. I can do podcasts and stuff because it's a lot more conversational, but um, it's not something that I'm, that's not my forte. I definitely have a lot more skill sets on, on the other side of the camera than I do in front of it. So. Well, you know, a lot of people don't really like talking about themselves. So I think that's, no. I think that's normal. And I'm going to use LJ again. She's going to be like, why the fuck are you guys talking about we're me so much? We're going to talk about her the whole time. No, that's all no, it's going to be the LJ I, show. Listen, I have a <laughs> list of things I want to talk to you about, but I understand that because I know LJ and she's going to be like, why? She, I'm, she's going to be texting me like, why are you talking about me? But <laughs> I know she does, she she, but she doesn't really like talking about herself. No, it's not, it's not a, it's one of those things where like, I, I guess maybe it's the way I was raised or whatever. I mean, it's just my nature too, I suppose. But I, I don't take compliments. Well, I don't like being congratulated. I don't like, like people will say, Oh, that's, you know, like people say they're, they're proud of me or whatever. I'm like, I haven't finished yet. Like, like I'll be halfway done with something. Oh, that's really cool. And I thought well, it's cool now, but it's going to be better when I'm done. I'm always critiquing myself and I'm, I'm just way too hard on myself, but I think that can often lend a better product. Well, yeah, because um, if you're not hard on yourself and you're just comfortable with what you're doing, you might not do the next great thing. So you always have to have some level of, oh, you know, this is great, but I could do much better. Why do you why do you have a hard time taking compliments? Um, I've never been good at getting a lot of attention. I I think it's kind of where I lie. Uh, I'm not a great public speaker. I don't like all the eyes on me. Uh, I've gotten better at it over the years. I've, I've had to kind of beat myself. I used to work as a waiter. And even then I was like, that kind of, that's kind of what brought me out of my shell even more. But I was way more reserved before that. Like you had to really know me before I even really talked to you. So I think a lot of it was like, like where I was raised and being really shy and, and not being like the cool kid or like getting a lot of attention from people where I came where I kind of found comfort in being reserved and out of the way or like nothing, but like, I, I can like once you're talking about something I care about or something I'm passionate about or something I'm like interested in, then I just don't shut up. But yeah, put me on a stage and, and have me talking or have me recite lines in a play. I'm, I'm done. I'm over it. It's not going to happen. I, I will say that some of the greatest that, you know, Yes, there's some. There's a lot of people in the world who love to be in front of the camera. They love to be the spotlight. It's it, their ego just erupts out of their cells. It's just so incredible. Mm-hmm. But so many amazing things in the world have been done by the people who like to be behind the scenes. So that oh, yeah. is amazing. And that's King. Every I think my martinis are kicking in already, and we're, hey, we're like eight minutes in. Hey. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. Like I like when I watch a movie. I'm almost terrible to watch movies with because I'm I'm like six levels deep into what's actually happening and seeing plot lines before they come. It's my my nature, but also my interest. But like when I when I watch a movie, I'm like, oh, that art director had a really cool idea there. Like I'm seeing stuff that like like that the people who don't get attention. Like I'm I kind of want to be one of those people. Like I want to be a director whoever loves the movies but doesn't know the guy's name. You know what I mean? So what was that? That's like, want to be the. I kind of I want to be like someone like a director who everyone likes their movies but wouldn't recognize them on the street. You know what I mean? 
You're like the guy who would create this entire huge brand, this, this like one million download podcast every week, and then no one would really know who you are. Gotta be ideal. <laughs> like, what is that band? What is that group? They mask themselves with cartoons on stage. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Um, is it, it's not Daft Punk. Are you talking about Metalocalypse? No. Oh my God. That's a metal band that does that. I'm There's a bunch to, of bands that do that. I have to look it up. But yeah, it's, Kiss, used to keep, it's like, Kiss did that back in the day. Like, you know. Even Sia, you know, Sia, the, the, she doesn't like her face filmed or photographed. Yeah but she's incredible. So, all right. Yeah. So I want to talk to you about your passions, because if you don't really want to talk about you personally, I want to talk about the things that you love and you are passionate about. Have you been out no. protesting? Uh, I have a now, few times. Now, you know, I, I love a good protest. I've been to gay protests. I've been to women protests. I probably, mm -hmm. I've been to, a, but I'm having some knee problems right now. And I'm going to the sports oh. medicine doctor today, the day this episode comes out. And hopefully they're going to inject me with a bunch of things and I'll be, but I haven't been able to walk or stand on my knee for a long periods of time. Yeah, that's tough. So I haven't yeah. been out there. Um, but if I watch the news, so here's the thing. If you watch certain news programs, you think if you it, say you watch a more liberal based TV news program, sure. ah, you know what? People are out protesting. They get pissed off. They're burning down a police station. It happens. But if you switch yeah. over to a more conservative channel, it's the world's coming to an end and all the worst people in the world are out on the streets. Would you agree with that sentence? Um, I would agree that, uh, news media, mainstream news media is trash. Um, trash. you're getting, yeah, you're getting the most corporatized, like which story is going to get a headline, which one's going to get the most clicks, which one's going to be the story we can run continuously for the next three days. Um, and what narrative we want to spin that, that motivates that. Um, I used to work in like local, local news. I was, um, uh, in college, I worked for a TV station as, uh, um, the sports highlights guy. So I would drive from these little town to little town, to little town and shoot like 15 minutes of some like high school basketball game or something like that. And so I would work and then I would come back, I'd edit and then I'll go on air that night and I would watch news, um, the, the, you know, the anchorman and the people, this is like a tiny little like PBS station that's, you know, for like small, small area. But, um, because there wasn't news that got to the area, everyone kind of watched it to the, for a majority of the community. And, they would just get stuff off the AP, which is the Associated Press, and it's just regurgitated and then add some local flavor in it, and that's the end of it. They didn't really do any real writing. So what you get with these large mainstream, um, like I don't know if you ever know what the Sinclair group is. They're, I, I, uh, don't, they basically, I don't. Who's that? Yeah. They're basically uh, a group that owns a lot of uh, affiliates and local news stations, like, like you know, Detroit's, uh, you know, Channel 4 or whatever it is, like, you know, all these little local stations. Well, Sinclair Group owns a majority of them across the country. And they've done, I mean, some people have seen these, these viral clips of this newscasters from many, 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 many different cities all reading the same verbiage, the same talking points, the same script. And they're reading it and it's the same words throughout the nation saying the same thing. So the news is like, they're reading a script from some corporation that has a bias. 
So even local news has been corrupted nowadays. So my my favorite thing to do is watch independent media. Um, so I watch a lot of like the Young Turks. Um, uh, I like uh, Rising on uh, the Hill. So there's these, these shows that kind of give you know a non corporate perspective, and they are they're usually open and honest about their biases, which uh, mainstream media does not. So I like that. And then you know it's when you watch these things like. Like I say, like conservative news is always going to give you the spin of how the liberals are the, you know, walking, talking devil. And they're going to come and take your kids. And, and, you know, uh, the other side you have the, and I can't stand them, but MSNBC and, um, CBS and MSNBC is probably the worst. Um, because they can, like, if you ask a, a conservative person, what's the most liberal news channel, they'll say MSNBC, right? They'll say that and over. They'll say that over CNN because I thought yeah. CNN was like the most liberal thing on the planet. See, I don't, yeah, I don't watch MSNBC. I don't watch MSNBC, so I don't know. Okay. So they're pretty comparable, but like this was like the like they used to present themselves as like the most you know liberal. Like you got you got people like um, uh, oh what's her name um, uh, Rachel Maddow. Rachel Maddow. Um, I'm not a fan. And uh, I've, do you know, well, I've, I've said, I've said on this podcast that I'm not a fan of her, hers. And my personal friends have sent me messages like, I love her. And I'm like, and that's great. And you can, yeah. and I don't give a fuck, but I am not a big fan of people who are trying to tell me what I should think, but go ahead. Yeah. And that's all, well, like I was thinking about news is the news is not built to inform now. It's built to entertain and inform or entertain and, and yes. So there, are, there is a bias right there built in. But um, you have shows like uh, Morning Joe, and you have shows like um, what's the name from um, Wallace? Uh, I can't remember first name. But um, these are all former Republicans or current Republicans or working for um, like the Bush administration. Or Joe Scarborough was like a, it's like a hardcore Republican conservative who just doesn't like Trump. So you'll have people on there saying like you have the head of the RNC is on MSNBC constantly or the former head, uh, seal, whatever his name is. And they're just talking about how here's what, here's what Democrats need to do to win coming from conservative Republicans. Yeah. It's I don't the most, that it's the most asinine thing, but it, they, they sell it to you. Like, well, that we're obviously Trump's bad. So we're like, just listen to us. You'll get, you'll get by. And it is, it is ridiculous. So, uh, so definitely not watch, a fan of the the, well, the mainstream I'm a, media. I'm a news junkie. I can't help it. But I like to watch, like I'll watch Morning Joe almost every morning. But the reason I watch it is not to get my information from them. It is to see see where they're, what they're trying to spin and how they're trying to spin it. So I like to see the angles they take. Like they'll, like, I mean, we can go down the rabbit hole of, of politics, but I think let's start more like where you started with the protest. Um, I was actually, I don't know if you knew this, but I was actually detained by the LAPD and, um, and took her, taken away in handcuffs and put in a, what? In a bus. Oh yeah. my God. And you're on my podcast. This is so exciting. <laughs> what happened? Tell me what happened. Well, first of all, before we go in that, I also want to say, yeah. let's, let's wrap up this media idea thing with a bug. Sure. And I just want to say I'm on board 
with you and I agree with you that I don't like mainstream media either because I personally think I've, you know, like last week we watched um, Laura Ingram for 25 minutes. Oh, Jesus. Listen, let me tell you. Did you not blow your brain up? Well, I'll never get those 25 minutes back. But we were sitting on the sofa. We were watching... um, Anderson Cooper, and I do love Anderson Cooper with all his flaws, but I he's was, got lots of issues. Yes, but yeah, but I was I was watching. Well, it's because of the gay thing, and I have to love him. But <laughs> besides that, we were watching the news, and I was like, "Let me, let's." He was my husband Matt was like, "Let's flip it over to Fox News for a minute," and I was like, "Yeah, it's you? fun. It's fun to go back and forth. I do that all the time." I was like, "Are you high?" Yeah probably but what no let's do oh my god let's do it this is so dirty and exciting i felt like we were watching Pornhub. <laughs> it was like watching Pornhub with his parents in the other room so there you go we watched it for 25 minutes and i'm not gonna lie she's a horrible human being but she actually what i learned was after watching her for 25 minutes i started saying oh oh that makes sense mm-hmm. and then matt yep. said to me Look how easy you are manipulated in 25 minutes. And I was like, oh, shit. Because she wasn't coming out saying, you know, fuck Black Lives Matters. She was coming out saying this is a horrible thing that happened. This is a terrible thing that happened. But then she easily, without even a breath, was able to flip it around and say, well, you know, look at all the bad things. that." It was just this eye-opening experience of, Wow, look, are, look at how good you are at manipulating the the words that you're saying. And uh, Tucker Carlson, her oh, and Hannity well, both have they have a carte blanche on uh, twisting narratives and making them sound cohesive. And yeah, well, yeah. you know, another thing that I've gotten aggressive messages from is I think at one point on this podcast, I compare, I said, you know, there's no difference between Tucker Carlson and Rachel Maddow. They're both doing the same thing, but just on opposite sides of the spectrum. They're both trying to tell you that the other person is a horrible person. And you can't deny that. That's exactly what they're doing. 100%. And and I think Tucker, if Tucker Carlson was jaywalking, I probably would just turn away and just keep the car going. Oh, God, I'll probably get a message about that. <laughs> but no, seriously, um, the mainstream media, I don't think is, he, they don't want to give you the information. They want to give you their idea. And I think that is wrong because so many people are easily manipulated. Well, think of it this way. When, you, well, when you're watching news, like mainstream media, what are the, what's happening in between their segments? Advertisements. They make money on corporate America. They make money. So they, they have a bias and they want to keep getting paid lots and lots of money to pay their, you know, host millions and millions of dollars. So these advertisers, like if they started saying, you know what, we really, if they started pushing the narrative and you'll, you'll never see this, if they started pushing the narrative. Like, yeah, you know what? There's too much money in politics. We need to get like, uh, these lobby groups and advertisers and stuff and from uh, influencing politicians. That will not in a million years would have happened in the corporate media uh, uh, system that we have because they need that corporate system to be the business they are. That's their model that they built on. And then those people need to be able to influence politicians so that politicians can come on the shows and then talk about those points of view. It's just one big circle jerk. And, you know? and I normally would love that, but not, 
in this situation. You're like, don't talk they, uh, about circle jerks, Joe. But um, sandpaper and couches. Oh God! Yeah. But you know, you know where I get my news. I get my news from the local news, like the five o'clock news. That's where I've been getting my news because I I believe that they'll they'll sit there and they'll say. Trump said this, Biden said this, now the weather. I don't, I don't, they don't give me their opinion. They just tell you, yeah. okay, Donald Trump said this today. So you can think about, you can just process that however you want. Joe Biden said, you're not black if you don't vote for me, which I, I at this point yeah. I agree with. So it's like, you know, they just tell you that. But on those other shows, it's so it's so obvious that they're trying to it's like this podcast. I'm not a news person. I'm not a fucking journalist. I'm having conversations about shit. Don't take yeah. me that seriously. Yeah. But the other side of it is is it's nuance. Nuances and context is the most important things in 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 getting an idea from one person to the next, right? Sure. So you and I can have a conversation about one topic for an hour, right? Oh, Versus yeah. Joe Biden says this. Okay, what's the context of that statement? What what was he? What did he say before, and what did he say after? What was the what was the actual question that was asked of him? Like, there's a lot of stuff that gets like by like local news. I would say is a better source for short bits of information. Okay, but it's literally like how do you boil in boil down a, a whole subject matter like a topic into you know a two a two minute bit, right? All right. So it's. So I, I, what I tell, what I challenge people to do and what I try to do as well is it's, it's time consuming, but it, it's almost like a soap opera. I feel like, you feel like drama then politics and news is, you know, you can get, you can get your rocks off pretty easy. It's, it's, one of those, it's one of those things where like, I, I, I watch a lot of different kinds of news sources and in there in the middle, I can usually find, and putting in a source, I can find, you know, the closest thing to a truth that I can, you know, I can hold on to. But the biggest thing to do is be critical. Mm. Like, don't, like, don't swallow what they're telling you easily. Don't like, swallow, take it, period, yeah. Well, you can, but the trick is, like, knowing knowing what information and the source is coming from and, and like, I don't know. There's, there's a lot to it, but my, I mean, you know me, I'm most pretty logical guy and I, I think practically as much as I can. And when someone says something or there's a sound bite or it's, it's all, it's all done through a filter. Like you get people's opinions on top of a sound bite, and you think that opinion is what's actually happening. And it's not always the case. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that actually makes sense. I think with me, I can only at this point in the world, because of everything yeah. that's happened in the last four years, I can really only take sound bites of the news because yeah, I mean and that's that's, that's understandable much. because you're yeah. getting well, well, we're fighting seventeen fires at the same time, and no one's got a hose. You know what I mean? No. Yeah. Oh my God, that is so! What an incredible way to just put out the entire world right now there's 17 fires and nobody has a fucking hose everyone's staring yeah. at the fire like what do we do now <laughs> well they're, they're they're videotaping the fire and like look at it look at it's burning you know what i mean yeah it's, it's, it's crazy. like it so yeah it i mean it is burning it's well some parts but the the thing that i found interesting is is when i when i went out to protest the first the first time 
um, I was actually going to meet some people who are coming to my neighborhood because I live in Hollywood and it's protest city right now. Um, there's a protest almost, you know, every other day. And so it's easy for me to just walk down and be a part of it. But the, the first one I went to, I was, when they, the curfews had just got kind of put in place okay. and they, my friends were, were coming towards me and, um, they didn't have a, like they're walking and one of my, my friend and her boyfriend, he has a cane and they were walking like three days at this point. They were just, you know, out there in it. Um, and she had a twisted ankle. So I was kind of worried about them. Like if anything happens, what are they going to do? This is like after, you know, kind of the, the heaviest part of the, the, uh, like the looting and the, and the burning of stuff. And so it's a little bit worrisome. So I, I was like, well, I live in Hollywood. You guys come up and, you know, hide out here until everything dies down and take an Uber home or whatever. And I was like, you know what? I can just it's probably be easier for me to walk them up here versus me having to like, guide them to my house. So I have a, what's called a one wheel. It's like a, it's like a skateboard with one wheel, one big wheel in the middle. And so I was like, let me just hop on that and I'll run down there and I'll try and find them and then we'll go back up. Uh, they were on La Brea and then headed toward uh, Highland. So I was going to go meet them in Highland. Uh, I got to Highland and the whole protest was going by and it was just crazy. Just, you know, probably like 400, 300 people. And not as big as some of the other ones that would, would come to be, but this is at the end of the day. So a lot of them had like fallen off. Is this on and Hollywood Boulevard? Because you only live like three, thought, two or three on, blocks. Yeah. It was on Sunset, so just okay. uh, a few blocks off from there. So um, we, uh, they all passed me, and I didn't see them. So I'm like, oh, I, thought, I must have somehow missed them. Um, so I took my one wheel, and I started going up to the front of the protest and see if I could spot them on the way back up. And as, we, as I get to the front of the protest, not seeing them, uh, we are almost to Vine. And there is a, uh, at the Vine, of the, the corner there of Sunset and Vine, there was a wall of cop cars and a wall of police with batons and riot helmets and shields and the whole works. And so everyone, and there's cars involved in these protests too. People are driving cars and honking and sticking their head out and, you know, waving and actually handing out waters and food to people, which is really nice. Um, but all these cars then had to like stop because they took up all the lanes. Like we took up the whole road and there was nowhere to turn around. So people were trying to turn around and take side streets. And so there was a side street that was right before sunset where we were. Um, and there's a little, uh, factory with a parking lot to the right. Well, everyone funneled in the parking lot because they blocked off that road as well. So they basically surrounded us and then pinched us. Oh, so we had nowhere, to, nowhere to go. And it's now after curfew. So oh. they, this is the first night of the, like, like they started really to take the curfew seriously. Well, what, what time um, was the curfew in Hollywood? Was it like eight or nine? No, it was like six. Oh, Okay. So the sun, when I left the house, the sun was still up. Like it was, it was just about to set. Okay. Um, so I got there driving around. So I'm, I'm, we're, we all, everyone kind of pours in this parking lot and there's no way, no way out of this parking lot. It's, a, it's basically a dead end. There's a small area in the back of this parking lot with chain link fence. And these girls are hanging out of their car and going, tear down the fence, break it down. So a bunch of people ran up the fence and they started shaking it. And I'm not one to break anyone's property, especially in these times. Um, so I just, you know, what, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna let everyone ditch out. I'm just gonna sit on my one wheel and wait for everything to go through. And they're probably not even doing anything with me because I'm just sitting here. Um, but whatever happens, happens. Um, I also had a kind of a uh, 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 
another reason for going out there and doing this, kind of another motivation, which is uh, I have a story that I'm working on. I I started writing when the Ferguson protest uh, kicked off a few years ago. Uh, I never, I just kind of let it sit on the shelf since, but all this stuff kind of, you know, spurred some uh, inspiration. So I started writing, writing that again during all this. And I'm like, well, the best way to kind of get a vibe for a story that kind of tells like a protesty kind of vibe in a world where there's a lot of chaos in the streets is to go out in the streets and experience it. So, um, that was kind of one of my other motivations, but anyway, so I got down to, they, they actually came into the parking lot and they, it was, it was like the military. They're, they're like in lockstep with each other. They were marching together and they literally said forward march. And they just had like, you know, it was like, it was like the SS coming at me. Like just, oh. they all had clubs. They're all, they're all standing in the same kind of formation. Um, they all have their guns out. They all have like, you know, um, batons and all this stuff. And I'm just sitting here and there's another dude sitting next to me kind of uh, sitting on the stairwell and we're just sitting there waiting for him to go by because there's nowhere to go. And I'm like, I'm not going to run or whatever. And I'm like, those people that took off are probably going to get busted right down the street anyway because the cops had the whole area locked down. And so they approached me, they stood me up, they frisked me, they took uh, my one wheel, set it to the side. Um, they zip cuffed me. One of my hands was zip cuffed a little too tight. Um, but I, I was just kind of like preoccupied. And it's funny because when you get, when you get cuffed, you don't really think about the cuffs until later on when they're really starting to hurt. Um, but I, my kind of one of my interests was like to, to talk to a cop, like how often do you get to talk to a cop in the middle of time? Right. Like and as a writer and a TV person or movie person, that's yeah. probably exciting. Yeah. It was like yeah. an opportunity that I didn't want to not take advantage of. So sure. I ended up having a, a, like a super long conversation with this guy um, and kind of getting his perspective. And he's like, you know, what happened to George Floyd was tragic and despicable and it's not, not how, you know, things are supposed to go. And his perception was basically that all the good he does outweighs any bad that happens to him, that he does or anyone around him, essentially. Um, not that he does bad in particular, but if something happens where it's like, you know, it's a bad outcome, because all the good he does kind of outweighs it. That's kind of how his perspective was and how he would like to see things get better, obviously. And he, he like, he's there, he, he's there to be, it's almost like a, someone who joins the military. They do it for good reasons usually. Right. Uh-huh. Um, so, so they, he, he, he wants to be, and this is kind of how I took it afterwards is he wants to be a hero, right? But he, oh, heroes are only heroes when they do something heroic. And in the way that they're kind of brought up in the system is they're all heroes for just signing up. So they mitigate as much risk to themselves and still call themselves heroes. Or think of themselves that way because they think they're doing like a, a heroic thing by going out on the streets and you know taking on a criminal. But at the same time, is you're also helping people like you know find a missing kid or right. um, you know there's some domestic, like there's there's sides to it that like that are heroic when you do them in small doses. But like this, the ego mentality of it all is is a big deal, and that's that's the hardest part of this whole thing. Is what's the one thing you can never do to a cop is disrespect them. You know what I mean? So they have this, this built in system that I am the law and you must respect me despite having anything earned. Um, just by wearing a badge, I'm now the the bearer of all this respect. And it's like, it's obviously that's not the case. Cause it's not, what, not, what, not what some people are citizens feel. So as we were kind of doing the process and I was asking questions multiple times throughout our conversation, he goes, Oh, you know what? I never really kind of thought like that. That was, I was, 
kind of bouncing, uh, you know, the, the counter narrative to his narrative and be like, how many times have you like seen something or saw a fellow officer do something and felt like you shouldn't say anything? Oh, that's good. Well, yeah. So stuff like that, that I got like, I kind of put a little, um, earworms in his ear. Just well, to what kinda, did he say you know, to that? Because I think that's such an important question. It's like, cause when you yeah. watch the George Floyd thing, those three people just sat there and stood there and I'm want to know, like, were they thinking, God, fuck, I've been here a week. Should I say something? I don't know. Cause, cause it's, it's even it's like that. On, where... It's even like that on the plane. When you're a flight attendant, you're like, yeah. Oh God, should I say something? I don't know. Oh, I'm new. I don't know. And so that's interesting. Yeah. What did he say to that? So it was more along the lines of like, well, you know, he, he didn't want to come out because it's, you know, he's not going to come and say, well, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I, I should have said something. It, it was more along the lines of um, their, he kind of sidestepped the question a little bit by asking another question. Um, but the vibe I got from him, it was, it's, their, it's the, the culture of, it's almost like a brotherhood, right? They, they is, look out yeah. for each other. It's very military. And yeah. Well, if you look at the uh, the footage of the, uh, the the elderly man that got knocked over. Oh, I've seen it like 10 um, times, yeah. Yeah, so the trick with that is if you watch the guy's, the guy's first instinct is to do what? Is to bend over and try and help him. Yes. So the guy behind him, thing. yep, the guy behind him picks him up and puts him back in line, right? And that they walk was past. so interesting to me because you watch it and you see him bend over. His first instinct yeah. is, oh my God, somebody's down. I'm the police. Yeah. My job is to protect and serve. And then that other dude is like, no, keep moving. That was shocking because to me. That is the, that is the militarism of our police in, in the best form you can see it. Because what happens is, is, is if you're in the front of the, of the line um, in an attack formation, you keep going. The guys behind him will pick up the bodies, right? They'll pick up the wounded because if you go down, then the guy behind you gets shot, right? So it's just—it's a very militaristic kind of approach where, like, don't worry about him. Someone will get someone will get to him behind us when it's safer because it's safer behind us than it is in front of us, right? That makes so sense. So it's yeah. yeah. So it's it's that idea of like like we're together, and if one link in the chain is weak, the whole thing goes down. That's how they look at us from the other side because they look like they're on the right side of the fence and we're on the wrong side of the fence. That's why you see so much brutality is because they, they don't see, like, the guy that you're hitting with a baton could be your next-door neighbor for all these people know, right? But that's not how they're, at the moment, they're seeing it. It's us against them. It's fight or flight. It's, like, I have to mitigate all risks to me despite how much violence I project on you. Um, and they're trained to respond certain ways but they're like nowadays it's a little bit better. They're trained to also deescalate. But the problem is, is the deescalation is, is usually in a form of once a, once a, uh, a line is passed, there's no going, there's no deescalating from that line. Right. Okay. So some people, some of these cops can snap faster than others just because of their temperament. Right. Mm -hmm. So you could say like, there's a really good, uh, not really good, but there's footage of a guy who, He's a uh, he's in riot gear. The police officers are riot gear. He's got a helmet, got the, the shield, got the baton, got all of the the uh, pepper spray. And there's a guy protesting in front of him. He's got his camera and his finger, middle finger, on the guy's face. And he's just standing there recording with the finger in the cop's face. And it goes on for about three or four seconds before the cop then just out of nowhere takes his pepper spray and hoses the kid down in front of him. He was done. Unpro he was just done. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how so much can you handle? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And the thing is, is they're not, they're not trained to have patience. 
Oh, that's interesting. That's a good point. They're, you know what I mean? They're not right. trained to like, in some cases they're like the best thing to do. The best thing to do in a, a chaosism is to be the calming voice. And sometimes it's not. So it's humans are fucking ridiculous. We're ridiculous things <sighs> trying to control us. And, and when, when you have adrenaline pumping, when you're having, that's why like how many people, how many times have you seen um, people get shot with tasers and nothing happens? Oh, it's because that adrenaline, adrenaline is just rushing. Yeah. Yeah. So it does it has, it has minimal to no effect. And it's it's like we have these tools in the toolbox that are just sometimes the wrong it's like square peg in a round hole, you know? So. Oh yeah, yeah. No, but you said you said p- the police aren't trained to have patience, but they probably should. Because well, there, there, they have has, to be there was a big push. They have to be trained to handle, you know, when a 75 year old, a 75 year old man who's walking very slow and hunched over and you push the dude to the ground and blood is literally, and I hate to use the word literally, but literally pouring out of his head. That's good use because that's actually what happened. That's not cool. It was pouring out of his head. Like it was like his, it was just dripping onto the concrete. And I don't know, like. That's- it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to see it from his perspective. So, like, what I like to do a lot, like, and it's very challenging. And I, I, I definitely recommend trying it as much as you can. Any of the listeners is, is putting yourself in the shoes of the person that that you're not. Right. So, oh, yes. a circumstance. So, that guy, whatever. There was two dudes that pushed him initially. Right. Mm-hmm. Their intention was not to knock him down. Their job was to move people off that square. That's okay. the director that's pumped in their head. Here's the mission. This is all we're going to do. Push people out of the square. No resistance. If they resist, then we, we cuff them, we detain them, we wait, whatever. Because it was a curfew thing again. So it's, they're, they're not, there's no nuance in that. They're not saying, if it's an old man, like, you know, do this, do that. It's like, we are a wall and no one passes it. So when they got to him, they're like, back up, dude, back up. And of course, this old man falls back. So, the the programming is is I'm not going to be concerned with shoving uh, someone because that's my job. I know that's my job is to shove this dude out of the way and get him off the square. And when it happens, his instinct was to go help him. But the problem is, is that's not the mission. The mission is to get everyone off the square. Because if you watch it, what's the first thing they do? Is they go right to the next guy right. who's that guy holding the camera. Right. And they they like put his arms behind his back. Yeah, I remember that. Because what happens is, is if, if you're in a line and something happens to your left, you're not paying attention to what's in front of you. And that's, that's this training that they're built into. It's like, it's, it's these riot, uh, and, um, I think it's like, uh, protests and riots, uh, teams that they have is they're trained to form a line, shield the shield like the Romans and nothing gets passed. So <laughs> that's why you have like these incidents where when stuff, when stuff breaks out, and the line gets lost at that. And then when all the chaos erupts is because that line is lost. Now it's all, it's every man for himself. Mm. And now you got people swinging up batons and cause they can't, the, the, the formation is gone. Their unit is gone. So it's either, it's either a unit doing one thing or an individual doing whatever he thinks is the right thing to do, or usually defending himself. Mm. Well, you know, and I, I understand that. And I am not, you know, it's, it, we're in this point right now where it's either like you're either black lives matter or you're pro police, or you, you can't be both. And you, but you can be, you can say, 
yes, I'm tired of black people dying for no reason. That's absurd. But also, yes, the police need a to be retrained and learn how to handle these situations. You know, I don't understand. And I say this to my husband all the time. I don't understand why they shoot to kill. I always thought you shot them in the leg to stop them when they're running. So <laughs> there's a lot of this is, is the news. A lot of this is TV and movies. So when a lot, one of the big problems with like the show cops, they actually finally took it off the air because, it disproportionately showed black males in negative lights as criminals. So when to this day, when a cop rolls up and he sees this African American man is, is unknown bias or even sometimes known bias and is risk mitigation to protect himself. So he knows that majority of um, police interactions with African Americans and result in shooting. Well, which side of the coin does that start from? Like, there's no nuance to that question. It's, it did it start from the police doing something or in fear of that man and, and reacting quicker than he should have without litigating, or did the, the that person engage something causing a justified justified shooting? So, the the cops' reaction is is they're trained more or less and have been trained for a long time is to protect themselves and their uh, their fellow police officers. The citizens kind of come second. Right. Well, it's like that's so, in the military too. You protect your brothers mm -hmm. and your sisters and then the civilians are next. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's almost, but th that system is almost very similar to how people vote and how people look at themselves. It's, it's you, then your family, then your friends, then your community, then your state, then your, you know what I mean? It right. builds out from there. So the same thing with the military, they, in the police force is they've trained themselves to, be like we're coming out as a police force right it's not it's not a police community service system it's not it's not police service it's police force right so it, it's all it's, it's built into the nature of how we set this, this whole thing up and it's gotten worse i mean policing basically the way it's formed now came out of the you know slavery days so oh yeah and i don't think a lot of people back. realize that I, i'm glad you no, brought that up but a lot of people don't understand that yeah, it's a, it's a track down and and uh, and get slaves back right. that ran away. The so what was it the 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 Freedom Slave Act? No, oh my God, I can't believe I'm forgetting. I this. remember this. Yeah, but it was but when it was when slaves escaped from the South to the North, and be, before the North wouldn't return them. Yeah. But then it was all of a sudden yeah. like, all right, now you have to return them, and that's kind of when shit got crazy. Yeah, well, it's I mean that's a notable point in history for sure. You know, it's it's. I mean, we got kind of sidetracked again, but that's what happened. Oh, that, um, yeah, but listen, listen, <laughs> no, I want to go back to when you were having this yeah. conversation with the cop, were you already yeah. handcuffed? I was, I was, they used plastic zip cuffs, which are like, they're not like a normal zip, uh, zip ties are really they're thicker and a lot more heavy duty. So you can't break them. Right. We have those um, on the airplane. That's what flight attendants have to calm you fuckers down when you get. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I was, I was zip cuffed immediately and then. Um, they, what's funny is they, they are really good liars. Huh. So the, the first police? thing, the, yes, because okay. what they want to do is, is they want to keep you calm and, and basically build trust with you. Because if you build trust with someone, you're less likely to, you know, do something negative. So once they, like, this is how they're trained, obviously it doesn't work out so well sometimes, but they will, once you're detained, 
the there's uh, the risk is kind of gone. So they're often willing to have like you'll see like cops like shooting the shit with the, with the person they've already detained because supposedly they're trained to think once you've got the person in the car or in cuffs, then all risk is gone. Mm-hmm. So, so you now can now fun, treat yeah. that well treat that person like a human being again versus a you know a suspect or a criminal or whatever. Um, it doesn't it doesn't always happen. And the training on that is kind of shoddy, but. Um, I, I also was like, I told the cop, like, I've never had a bad cop interaction. Never, I've never had a police interaction that went negative. I've never had that experience. But I'm also super white. Mm-hmm. And I, I, like, there's a video of a kid, I just posted this recently. There's a video of a kid playing basketball in his front yard. Oh, I watched that. And yeah. The cop yeah, drives by little, and he hides. Yep. Yeah. That's very When powerful. I was growing up, we very powerful. We wait. When I was growing up, we waved at the cops as they went by. Oh yeah, you weren't afraid of the cops. White kids are not afraid of the police. No, no. That, so yeah, it's, that's it's, it's a fact. good. It's a it's a good pulse on the way things are. And so when I was talking to the cop, like, but at the same time, like, I I cannot imagine like they, they will not like these communities will not call the cops when certain things go down because they're more afraid of the cops than they are the people robbing their house. Isn't that, that's incredible, but it's true. It's absolutely true. Yeah. 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 Yeah, You know, now, now you can't even call the cops and think, Hey, hi, nine one one. The doors are open in the house across the street and I'm concerned. No, someone will get killed. That's how it works now. Oh, I heard a really good, uh, a really good way of thinking about this is, is cops are, if you call the police, you are asking for an armed response. Right, because they're just they're the people you call that come to the situation, and they have guns. So if you don't want an armed response, do not call the police. Is <laughs> until we change things. That's right. just the way that we have we built the system. Yeah, um, it's scary, but that's just the way it works. But anyway, like the the thing I want to talk about for the like being detained and, and stuff is is that they lied to me saying, "Oh, you're going to get released and then just a citation, and you'll be able to go home." It's already past curfew, so I'm like, oh, that's weird. Um, and then he goes, we're going we're gonna to put you on, we're going to take you to Hollywood, and we're going to release you guys from there, which is just a few blocks from where I was. And then they put us on a bus, and there were, the bus is a prison, prisoner transfer bus. So the last section of the bus is where we were put. It was like six benches and then one long bench in the very, very back. And these are really, really tight. Like I could barely sit, because I'm a tall guy, but I could barely put my knees like sitting forward my knees are butting up against the, the seat in front of me. And meanwhile, my hands are, we're still cuffed. They never released us from the cuffs. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm sitting with these giant cuffs with big, long rabbit ears where the, the cuffs go out. Um, so you can't sit flat in your back. You have to sit to the side with your arms one way or the other. And it's super, super, super uncomfortable. Um, and we're like, Oh, it's going to be a short ride to Hollywood. And then it won't be that big a deal. And so there's our section of about 17 dudes. And then the next session with girls and then there's like individual, um, little cages up in the front. And pretty soon we're in the, we're, we're, we, we hear, hear the bus go faster and it's accelerating. And we realize we're on the freeway. Oh shit. Okay. They drove us all the way to UCLA from Hollywood. We were in the back of the bus for four and a half hours. Why? And, they, uh, it's just that they don't, they don't care. And once they're in, once they're in the bus, they kind of forget about you. It's like walking someone in a jail cell and I'm walking away. It's like, Oh, they're fine now. And we just go, you know, do whatever we're going to do. They, um, 
there was no, they didn't come back. There was no, there was no mask given. Um, there was no, like people had to go to the bathroom. Um, they didn't come in and check on us once. Um, they, you know, some of the people's cuffs were so tight, their hands were, uh, losing circulation. And I was literally telling people that, Hey, keep like, keep squeezing your hand. Otherwise you're going to, you know, lose blood flow. Um, and then what's funny is within probably 15 minutes of being on the bus, people were already taking their cuffs off. They, they got their hands out of them. Um, there was only by the end of the, the bus ride and us being in the back of the bus, only three of us had our cuffs on. So I was one of them because my, my hand swelled up and my wrist, I just, I couldn't get my hand out of it. So yeah, that sucked. Well, what were you but thinking? The, what were you thinking when you're sitting there for well, four and a half hours? I was, I, well, we had a lot of conversations and what's funny is, uh, the guy sitting like two people over from me was a guy from Detroit. He had, uh, he had come out here for vacation of all times. Um, and him and his girl were on the bus and he had no shirt on. He had shorts. He had, um, uh, slip on sandals and socks. That's all he had. Uh, he had, he had come from the beach cause the beach was closed. And so he went back to Hollywood and then when he got there, it was a giant protest. So he decided to walk with them and uh, African American guy. And he, his nose was running the whole time and he couldn't wipe his nose. So he had literally this giant snot booger hanging from his mouth the whole time. Um, but we bonded, uh, like pretty quickly. And, you know, they're asking, like, some guys are asking where we're from and, and we're talking about the situation. And the one dude had had not heard any of the news. So he didn't know that some of the police, like the police sheriffs were walking with some of the protesters. And that blew his mind, by the way, he's like, what the fuck you have like cops walking with the protesters. Like didn't make any sense to him. That's how far gone his perception of police are. Like, like why would they ever walk with us? Like it didn't make sense to him. Now, let so, me. Ha- oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was going to ask you because earlier, a few minutes ago, you said like the police lie. So when yeah. I see them kneeling or walking with protesters, yeah. is that just a fucking way? So, like, what is well, that about? He, do you believe it, or do you think, oh, something's well, up? Here's the trick. You mentioned something earlier that I want to kind of bring back up. Is is like you're all for your your four. Uh, Black Lives Matter or for the police, right? I humans do this really this really fucked up thing where we simplify every situation to the its, its simplest form because it's easiest for us to a remember it, b talk about it, and it's just the way we're kind of process information. But like, it's it's usually never a dichotomy. It's never two things. It's about fifty things that we boil down to take the you know the bits and pieces that make the most sense or fit our bias or whatever. So. There are people who are for police who are also against Black Lives Matter who are also do want, do want to defund the police, but they don't want to go so far. Everyone has their own opinion. I always say, like, uh, like there's as many Christians as, as there are pews. You know what I mean? It's They all have their own religion right. because they all read a book and they all took parts of that book and made it into their own. Well, they pick and so choose, right? Yeah. Humans do this thing called cherry picking, which is the most common uh, fallacy that humans are in processing information. But it's, it's the most unreliable thing you can do is I'm going to pick all the stuff that makes sense to me, that, I, that it fits my motive. And that's the stuff I'm going I'm to regurgitate. And then when I regurgitate, that's the truth, right? Because they don't say, yeah, so I was, uh, you know, uh, I'm a cop. But like, you know, a lot of cops are terrible. Like a lot of cops are killing people. Uh, or they'll say, well, there's some bad apples instead. Like they'll, they'll just, they'll, they'll simplify things without nuance. And so it was very much like that where the, the, when people are kneeling, 
there are some who are kneeling for real and justifiably feel like it's like, can you imagine being in a system? Like, what if you went to work with a bunch of uh, uh, your fellow um, flight attendants and every once in a while, a flight attendant is just killing a person. Like, but you, you like your job and you think, and you think you're good at your job and you know, you think your profession is noble and like, it's, it's kind of fed you like all these things. Like it's important. It's an important job to have. Like got, you got to keep people safe in these giant flying tin boxes. Right. But if, if, if someone, if there's a high rate of, of death, but it happens slowly, it's like boiling a frog in cold water. You know what I mean? You start cold and work with a boil. The frog's not going to jump out. No, because they don't know they're boiling to death. So it's this stuff that happens slowly. Like all this stuff happened. It, it is built up to this. And it's like, thank God for cell phone cameras. Like we wouldn't, we would still have these issues and not know about them because that were happening before we had these cell phone footage. Well, it's been happening for hundreds of years, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. It's like cell phones have woken. And I hate the word. I hate the term woke, but it's woken people up because now you actually have people out there who are like, I didn't even know this was happening. And that boggles yeah. my mind, but it's like, have you been sleeping? But no, so many people don't worry about things that don't personally affect them. And they only get excited yeah. or want to protest when it affects their life. But this seems to that. It is, it is. But it boils back to the whole thing about me, my family. If like, I, I hate to generalize because I'm not a big fan of generalizing, but it's, it's very common in conservative circles is, well, it doesn't affect me, so why should I care? Oh you know yeah, I, mean? I think that runs rampant in the United States of America. That's just yeah, it, that's well, the way we, we're, that's we're, the way people are. We're built this this our civilization, our 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 country in particular is built to be uh, materialism. Like it's like you need to buy this because it's what you deserve. You need to buy it because so we're fed this whole ego of like we're better than uh, like as an individual. We 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 deserve this if it's good, right? Mm-hmm. So when people try to take away something that they already have, they feel like it's it's uh, it's taking something away from them. But what if it's giving to someone who doesn't have it, right? So there's we have this whole idea of like, well, if it's equal, then I'm t- it's like the same thing with gay rights and you know the, all these equality things. Like it's it's you can't turn this cruise ship on a dime. It takes a long time to curve into the right direction. And hopefully, I mean, in recent days, especially, we've seen a lot of progress happen in a short period of time. Hopefully, it's it's you know it'll hold and continue, but. Um, this is a big time in history. This is something that we, you know, we have to both appreciate. It's easy to appreciate things after they're done and knowing what happened, like what, what the results were. But I think a lot of it is, you know, I've been appreciating the moments that I've had, like protesting. Like I was part of one of the biggest protests in, you know, in U S history, um, like 50, 60,000 people. So like, it's, it's stuff like that. That's momentous. And you feel it when you're in it, you know what I mean? You feel like, Holy shit, there's like 50,000 people all, with a similar goal. May not be the exact same goal, but it's similar, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it's, a uh, it's important. I, um, before we move on to a different topic, you had mentioned when you were out there protesting, you said something about, I wasn't out there, you know, I'm not, in, I wasn't out there looking to break up property, but there yeah. has been a lot of like looting and stuff like that. I'm going to be honest. Well, I'm gonna, <laughs> let me, let me confess something. Yeah. When I, so when they, Oh God, I'll probably get some hate mail on this one. But when they, when they burnt that police station down in Minneapolis, my first thought was, ouch, 
then my second immediate thought was, well, you know what? Sometimes you got to burn shit down to make a fucking statement. Sometimes you got to burn shit down to change things that need to be changed. And then I was like, all right, burn the police station down. I'm good. (laughs) I know it sounds terrible, but that's how my brain worked. I was like, I sat there and I thought, if you don't understand why they're burning the police station down and why they're so angry. And and that's the thing. I'm glad you said that. That's the point. The point is if you're watching that and you don't understand why people are so angry, you have not been paying a fucking tension. That's a big part of its context. It's, it's the, like there's, there's been numerous like memes and stuff about going around, but one that kind of stuck with me was, is if you, with a lot of friction, eventually you get a fire. So it's, it's <laughs> what, what, like when they told Kaepernick not to kneel, right? You need to find a good, better way to, to, to voice your, you know, disgruntled. Like, you know, you need a better way to, of, of, you know, protesting. So then they go and do, there's people oh, protesting. Yeah, I know that. You, you can't just, so it's this whole thing of like, there's no right way to do it. But at the same time, it's, it's, it just shows like, that will be forever a thing when the Minneapolis police department was abandoned and they set it on fire. They looted it first and they, they went through and broke it and destroyed it. Um, that was, that was kind of an apropos moment. Like I'm not for destruction. I'm not for things, right, but either am I, I, am, I, agree. I, I, I'm not pro violence. I'm not pro destruction, but at the same time, the context is, it, it's it's a it's a apropos re- result. Like if, if you can kill a bunch of humans and not have an issue, destroying a a, a public building like we pay for it, right? We pay <laughs> the police salary. Like it's ours to destroy. Right. I think that people get their mind because I've seen things on social media and talking about memes. One of my favorite memes was, you know what? We tried to fucking kneel. You had a problem with that. Now we're burning yeah. shit down. Yeah. I was like. You know what? I actually, my brain understands that. Yep. Um, it's, it's a simple concept, yeah. which is what, what, what our brain's like. But the thing is, is it's, it's when you see, when, you, when you're coming from a side that doesn't understand, like you're, you're saying, sure, that thing that happened to that dude is bad. They're seeing another thing has happened to us again. Another black man has been murdered, unarmed, in like in, in a gross and despicable way again. So how many, how many black men have to die before you're going to do something about it? And we don't have to burn down buildings or we don't have to, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and the thing is there's a difference between looting, rioting and uh, property destruction. Right. right. And a lot of people don't understand that they think all the protesters are looting and that's not the case. Well, that's a po- also a problem with English language is we use words interchangeably that have different meanings and the same meaning. So it's <laughs> the thing the, one of the best things that I think has come out of this is the fact that we've, we've got all this policy change and the stuff is like, we, we, you know, the obvious, like we're showing the broken pieces and we're seeing them. So now we can take them out and, and fix them. But I think a big thing too, is we've seen how, well, it's alluding when, poor people, uh, you know, in communities or they're upset, that's looting. But when wall street ruins an entire economy and they all get rich off it. And then when we bail them out, they get paid again. Why is that not looting? 
Good point. Yeah. So Makes sense. I've seen a, I've seen a, sur- a surge against that too. And, and that's been good. So, well, yeah. isn't that because it's, it's rich white people? Yeah. <laughs> so it's okay. No. It's basically all right. It's okay for rich, well, it, rich white people to take your money. Well, rich, is the, rich, is, rich is the most important part because with money, it buys influence. Mm-hmm. So it buys, it buys ads in, uh, on a TV station. It buys uh, newspaper, uh, newspapers in general. It buys, you know, a narrative. And when you have a narrative, you can, you can manipulate the the commoners into going along with things that are against their own interests if it's for your interest it's amazing how often like they'll sell they'll sell you on something that like what trump recently did with us you know tax uh tax break like it went to trillions of dollars went to fucking the richest people in the country well, yeah, and they told you like it's gonna be for you it's gonna be for you you're gonna get you're gonna get some of that big piece of you know it's a big piece of pie and uh, you know what? The, bigger, the bigger it is, the bigger piece you'll get. Even though it's small, but it's like, no. It's, it, you know what? It's so funny to me. And it's such another, it's an entirely different avenue of a conversation. And I don't want to go down there, but it, it amazes me that poor people, poor people, the poorest of the people think Trump is going to save them. That is the most mind boggling thing that I, I have dealt with in the last four years. Now, if you're rich and you're like, Trump's my man, yeah, that makes sense to me. But if you're the poorest, poorest person and you're sitting there with your Trump grab my pussy shirt at a rally, my brain will never wrap around that. I'll never- I can help, I can help you with that if you want. Yeah, sure. I didn't expect to go down that avenue, but yeah, tell me, <laughs> teach me. I'll, I'll, I'll make it quick. Make it quick. I'll make it quick. <laughs> you're funny. Well, the, the, you started with, you said a good word, which is education is a big part, but- uh, what's funny is originally all the rich white people did not want Trump. That was the thing that came afterwards. Right? So what happened was is they saw a guy that would stand up to those people. He ran as a populist. He ran on giving them health care. He ran on giving them tax cuts. He ran on protecting their jobs. That's what he ran on. It's not what he did. Well, yeah. he's, a, he's a big fat liar. <laughs> on the fat big fat orange liar. He, so the trick is, it's not that big of a, it's, it's a simple con. It's, Hey, I, if, listen to me, you saw me on TV, you know, I, you know, I'm legit, right? Right. So listen, yeah, he's the those, those guys, those, those guys up there, they think that they, that they run the show. I'll show you that I can fix all of this stuff. Cause the way they've been doing it, obviously you've been fucked over this whole time, right? You're, they're not giving you what you need. Like he said things like we should have never been in the Iraq war on the debate stage at a Republican, uh, um, uh, debate. Mm-hmm. What the hell? Like they hated him. There's a, there's a new ad against, um, uh, what's his face? Um, is it Lindsey Graham? Cause I can't stand uh, yeah. him. Oh, that it's a, him and his, there's a new ad that destroys Lindsey Graham, destroys him. And guess where, where it's coming from? The fucking Republicans paid for it and made it. So there's a there's a there's a faction within the Republican Party that hates Trump. Uh, they're the people that are on embassy embassy all the time. It's this never Trumper team. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lincoln Project is another one. Um, but they they have basically Lindsey Graham saying things like Trump is a bigoted, uh, xenophobic, uh, racist with dumb ideas. Oh yeah, and he's, it's, right. So he's, they say, but why is it, why did he flip? He flipped because he won. Oh. The power that he has, his influence is, is like, 
people, wow, you know, he's saying all the things that we would never say. And they like him more than the shit we were saying. Cause the shit we were saying, you know, was semi working, but man, this guy's really kind of coming in, you know, and picking up a whole side of things that we never saw. So that's why that the whole boat shifted. That makes sense. No, it makes sense. Power yeah. is power is so important to politicians. But let me ask you this. Do you yeah. th- and this is an opinion. Do you think that these people like Lindsey Graham and the Mitch McConnells and all that and I can't stand yeah. either one of them. Um do you think they believe what they're saying or do you think oh, no. I'm, I'm just going to say what I need to say to get reelected because this is what my constituents want because sometimes no. I I blame the people that they represent more than them as individuals. It is, I would go the other way. I don't blame the individual because the individual, especially in this country, what has I, never I, been taught how to critically think, has never been taught to, to question authority. Has never, it's like, believe what we're saying because we're the ones in charge. Believe what we're saying, we're the ones in charge. And then when they, when they offer solutions, there's a lot of fallacies that they use. They use things like, you know, um, if and then, if you do this, then we'll do that. And then that, that thing never happens. It never materializes, but they keep, they keep baiting the carrot on the stick. So they're, they're just like, people are desperate for change and they're also trying to live their lives. So it's it, the, the people in power, like they don't, they don't give a shit about people. So, why who do you, do you why blame, Mitch, so who do you blame? Do you blame the Mitch McConnell's and the Lindsey Graham's and all that shit? Or do you blame the people that vote for that? I blame the system that allows it and the system is everybody. So we've allowed the system to exist as it is without benefiting, like, you know, without noticing it. And that that has to do with them trying to take education away from us and uh, the ability to learn like how the system works. Like then there's the, 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 the dark money that happens in politicians and how they spend more time raising money than they do writing and reading bills that they make in the law. So it is, it is a, the system is the problem, but the problem is, is everybody is the system. So unless you're aware of how the system's broken and how to fix it, you don't know to make those correct changes that are, that are aimed directly at progress unless you're aware of them. That's why you, a lot of the stuff hasn't changed that's happening now is because people weren't aware of the problem being so pervasive when it's been a, a massive problem. You're just blind to it. So they, they take advantage of ignorance. And the, the benefit to them is they stay in power. And the, the, the trippy part is, is Mitch McConnell expects to be the leader of the Republican Party. He's the longest running Republican uh, leader that has, ever, uh, that has ever been in office in the U.S. history. He's older than a redwood he, tree. I mean, he's ridiculous. But go ahead. He, he doesn't think he's going away. And the, the problem is, is he's good at... The, the wrong things. He's good at like, when's the last time Mitch McConnell had a, had a town hall? Oh, he do, I don't think he does. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause he's not no going to no stand one in knows front of these people. So yeah. No. Yeah. So it's, it's the way that the system's built that we've, we, we pedestalize these, these positions of power. And then once they have the power, they don't want to relinquish it. And when they, when they're forced to relinquish it, like, like the, what's happening now is you have people like Mitt Romney coming on saying black lives matter. He's a, he's a Mormon and the Mormon church has such a, a negative history with, with um, African-Americans. It's ridiculous. Oh yeah. But he's yes, coming that's out. True. He, he's coming out and, and voicing his opinion because it's, it's guess what it does. It puts him in the eye of the public more. You know what I mean? Like 
they all have their own little plots and schemes to make themselves more vis- visible so they can maintain their power to get reelected again. It's, it's, it's a very corrupt, very corrupt system. Oh, absolutely. So I'm, Whoa, dude. I did not <laughs> know. We spent an uh, over an hour talking about politics and it's, you know what? It's been great and we're not even done. Um, huh. but I'm gonna take a sip of water. We can do a two-part or three-part if you want. I love a threesome. Um, no, I, um, I think everything you've said has been very smart. And I believe that one of the biggest problems that we have in the United States of America is that people are uneducated and they do not learn history and it's so easy. And Recently, I had Craig Stewart on. He's an author. He lives in Atlanta. And he said something. He was like, you know, if you think this is shocking, then you're just lazy because you haven't been paying attention. And I thought that was so profound because it doesn't take a lot to pick up a fucking book and just read about the history of the United States. You know, People love to say that this is the greatest nation in the world, and it's pretty fucking amazing. I love my free speech. It's my favorite. It's my favorite amendment. Okay, I'm not gonna lie. Free speech is my favorite amendment. It's, but it's, a, it's a very, very, very important. One it's very sure. important, and no one, and we have the most free speech in on this planet. Um, but it also doesn't allow you to be ignorant to what the fuck the history of this country is, which was basically built on people that were taken from their own land. And, you know, I get so mad when I hear people say, well, they need to get over it. Are you serious? You can't even get over not wearing a fucking, you are protesting with your bazooka (laughs) because you have to wear a fucking mask to go into Taco Bell. You want people to get over the fact that they're, their grandmother, because there's people alive today in this country whose grandmother was a slave. Yeah. It is that close. I'm getting passionate now. My martinis have kicked. Yeah, it's, it's, it's that close to you. It is so fucking close to people in this country that their grandparents were owned like cattle in the United States of America. And it doesn't take a lot for you to just read some fucking history to understand why people are burning down police stations. Boom. Mic drop. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah. yeah. I, no, you're, well, I, oh, here's where I, I would go with oh, that. Oh, okay. Go no, ahead. no, no, you're not I wrong. Love, no, I love you're a good challenge. No one ever challenges me on this podcast. Hey, so go ahead. You're, you're not wrong. I would say it's, I am not a big reader, oddly enough. Um, but I am fascinated by things I don't know. Mm, and yeah. And how I get my information is, is I'm not like, I'm not a big reader, but I do read things. I'm just not like, if you give me like a civil, civil war novel, I'm probably not going to read it. Right. But I'll watch a civil war documentary or things like that. Um, but I think the, the thing that's the most, the most important thing I think we can teach kids and even adults, especially adults is, is critical thinking skills, the laws of logic, um, and ways to, to, take out all the wrongs in their brains and fix them with all the rights. So like I, the, the Matt Dillahunty is a famous atheist and he quote, he has a quote is, um, I want to have more true things in my head than false things. So I want to be closest to reality as possible 
and get rid of, no matter what it is, if it's wrong, I don't want to, I don't want to, ha- I don't want to be wrong about anything, but he's also doesn't jump to the conclusion saying I'm right despite the evidence, right? The evidence will lead you to the right answer. We'll never get all the way there because it's, it's one of those, it's like, it's like a impossible thing to achieve. But knowledge is if I don't know something, I don't get to make assumptions and be right. So politics and, you know, you know, even football teams and things like that, like people use logic incorrectly constantly. And it drives me crazy because I have a hyper awareness to it. So I, <laughs> I, I wish people would learn how logical fallacies work. I wish that was more of a, a more of a pop culture thing um, where, you know, cherry picking is one of the easiest ones is like, if I, if you, if you told me one side of your argument, you're not going to point that you're not going to give me all the things that challenge your argument. You're going to me all things that make your argument the best possible answer. Right. Mm-hmm. So if I use the same, uh, if I use the same cherry picking method against you, I could go and cherry pick all the bad things against your good things. And where are we? You're not any more convinced or less convinced. I'm not any more convinced or less convinced. And both of us could be wrong. So the best thing to do is, is I don't know if you're right until enough evidence shows me where I could be justified in believing it to be true. So we jump to these, the news does this to us constantly as well. They give us like, uh, ad populum is another great um, fallacy, which is, you know, a majority of the people believe, like you, you see all these polls, a majority of uh, people think that Joe Biden is going to win. doesn't mean Joe Biden is going to win. It means that <laughs> it's not, it's not a truth. It is a fact. It doesn't it's, mean it's right. It, it's, those people gave this answer, but, but pushing it beyond that is nonsense. Literally nonsense. You can't use that information for anything other than a guess that maybe what might happen. But um, just because a lot of people believe it doesn't mean it's true. So when you like you have these historical things that people believe to be true, like the Confederate flag, people grew grew up thinking the Confederate flag is a symbol of heritage. Yeah. Well, just because a lot of people believe that shit doesn't mean it's the way it's the way it is. Right. So. It's, people use these fallacies to be convinced of things that are incorrect and feel justified in thinking them because fallacies are easy to understand and they're easy to believe because once you once you take them apart, it's it's kind of obvious how bad the argument is. But if no one ever picks apart your arguments or your thoughts or your beliefs, you'll go, you'll continue believing them because you you're just following that pattern. So if we're taught that early on. Just imagine how much, uh, how better people would vote, uh, how much uh, better decisions people would make about buying a car or a house or or whatever it may be. There's just the way we think is is kind of is kind of lame. It's kind of bad. We're, we're we're bad at thinking. So that's where if I could fix the world with one thing, I would be like, yeah, give everybody better critical thinking skills. Well, you know, I agree with that. I agree with you a hundred percent. I think that. People lead with their feelings or, oh, I've been told this. Well, have you, yes. have you, have you researched it? I mean, here, think a lot. Here, okay. Let, you know, I, I'm a very, I get very angry oh, here. I'm going to be very passionate. Again. <laughs> I get very angry about the Confederate flag because in reality, in reality, and please correct me because I'm wrong a lot. When you, f- it is actually 
it is treasonous to fly the Confederate flag on the United States soil. Yeah. That's my brain. My brain tells me you fucking lost. You don't see them flying Nazi flags in Germany. No, the losers don't get to fly a flag when you lose. When you it's actually illegal. When yeah, oh yeah, Germany fucking knocked that down. And that's where I think our fault was. I blame Abraham Lincoln on this because at the end of the day, he should have fucking dragged Jefferson Davis out into the middle of Washington D.C. in front of the Washington Monument and hung him for treason. And then no one would have been thinking, "Oh my goodness, oh god, maybe we shouldn't hide this." Oh, they fucking they tore us a new hole no no they slapped well, him on the wrist and said all right well let's just pull the country back together and let's just move on yeah and but what that did was that allowed in 2020 that allowed people to be upset that you can't fly a trash a treasonous flag and i think that when you mentioned heritage that's so true people really believe oh this is my heritage no 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 that's a treasonous flag that you want to wave on your front yard because you all fucking lost i'm sorry i'm sorry that hurts i'm sure it hurts to lose a war 200 years ago but you lost so uh <laughs> well, there's actually some fun facts there's some fun facts about the confederate flag as fun as it could be um is the confederate flag wasn't really a thing until much, 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 much later. Like no one flew the Confederate flag around um, as predominantly as they did. And like, it was basically when Jim Crow happened, um, the flag became the flag became a symbol. Um, when uh, um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, not apartheid. Mm-hmm. No, um, in South Africa. No. Uh, well, like like uh, integration when that oh, was yes, into, in like, the sixties and stuff. Yeah. So, so the flag was was only resurged as a symbol in those two big spikes in history. Like that, there's a giant. If you follow the history of the Confederate flag and monuments, like I think some of the uh, big people, like me, was uh, John Stewart. No, not John Stewart, but uh, John Alder. Um, about the, all these statues, they didn't because they weren't a thing. Yeah, uh, uh, um, General Lee even said, "Don't put statues up because that's not what we're about." Like he was against statues, and now there's statues of him everywhere. Who was so, this? I'm sorry. Uh, General Lee. Okay. Robert E. Lee. Uh, okay. Robert E. Lee. Yep. So well, he was even, against statues. I even think Washington was against statues because they didn't want to be yeah. looked as deities. That's exactly right. Okay. Yep. But um, the, 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 the funny thing is these statues came out basically to symbolize you black people trying to get rights, not in my house, not in the city. So we'll put up in the middle of city square. We'll, We'll put the, you know, the guy that, you know, was as for uh, uh, being against slavery as or as for slavery as you possibly get because he tried to kill uh, or try to separate from the country he was a part of. So the history of the flag and these statues and monuments is, is actually very interesting because it's only a recent development. And they're not, they're not part of uh, heritage because the guys that died in those wars never saw those statues. They didn't want them up. They didn't put them up. That was put up much, much later by a bunch of KKK people and racists and white nationalists and so white supremacists because they wanted to scare people in the black community into doing anything about it. So, and they use the example of like, you know, the, the, they're, they're, uh, these statues are part of our heritage, our history. Yeah, from the 60s. <laughs> it's like right, it doesn't make any right. damn sense. Right. Yeah. No. And it's not, it's not a part of your heritage because you lost and it, you know, and I, 
I actually read that Robert E. Lee wasn't even really 100% on board with everything that was going on in the South, but he couldn't he couldn't bring himself up. He couldn't go join the union because he couldn't fight against Virginia. Yeah. There's a lot of weird, like, there's a lot of nuance, nuance. Cause it's all like millions of people fighting each other. But I get really uh, mad about the, the Confederate flag. When, when people I argue assume, about it, I'm like, no, 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 you lost. No, that, that flag means nothing. That flag should be in a museum so that when my kids or when people go there to learn about the history of the United States, they can see this flag yeah. and they could say, wow, there was a civil war in the United States. Oh my goodness. That flag shouldn't be in anybody's fucking yard. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, I, I also have, well, you also, here's the catch 22 of this is you're, you're, you got a little cognitive dissonance going on because you also think that free speech is the most important uh, thing we have, and a flag is a form of speech in a way. Oh, you are so, going to call me out, this bitch. Ha, yeah, I'm just kidding. So, no, um, but do you but th- it's also it's along lines of where do we put it? If you have it in your fucking yard, I don't give a shit. It, it just means I'm not going to your house, right? I don't know. I so, just I think that. Flying the confet, I flying a flag of a war that you lost on the land that I just think it's that, that it, it makes no sense. <laughs> what? What? It's distasteful, that's it's for sure. It's so weird to me. Like, I wouldn't have the nerve. Like, I saw this meme because you know the world's well, about memes. Well, I try not to be, um, but I. I saw this meme where it was like, you're using the wrong flag. And then there was a flag, a white flag, like we surrender. And I thought, yeah. oh, that's hilarious. That makes me laugh. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, Lord. I should have made three martinis. Um, I, I, time. Go ahead. Uh, no, no. I knew, I, I knew you would be so entertaining and educational. And I appreciate that. But let's, yeah, let's, let's talk about something a little bit lighter. Not depressing. <laughs> Not depressing oh, shit. God, I'm going to need to do five edibles and go to bed. So, because you know I don't work for the airline industry anymore. Did you know that? Yeah, good I for you, buddy. Yeah, I, I don't work for the airline, and I can do a, all the drugs that I want. No, I'm not. <laughs> it's a big deal, buddy. It is a big deal. We're proud of you. Well, it's 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 um, it's been a long time coming, so it, it's good, and now I can actually. That's. <laughs> That's what LJ said. Oh, I had to. I had to. What, a, what a great way to transition into another top conversation. But You're I want to thank you for being so so honest about that. And that was really important. I knew that we would be able to really delve deep into that. So into well, you, the you, think, you think it's a good time in history to have a conversation with me again? Well, I don't want to say that I'm calculated, but... I have, been, I have been very calculated lately with who I have on my show at a specific time. Well, as you should. I'm getting very good at this, but I my, also my want, producer brain appreciates that. Well, I've learned from you, so thank you very oh, much. Well. And everybody, that is the end of part one of the Nathan Gresham guest appearance on the Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe podcast. Monday, June 22nd will be episode number 34, and it'll be part two of our conversation where my martinis had kicked in. I had two martinis. And we started talking about what brought him to Hollywood, why he wanted to be in Hollywood. You know me, I can't stand Hollywood. I don't know why anybody would want to be there. But why? what brought him to Hollywood? And then also we got into a deep dive conversation about religion. 
let me tell you, I'm still trying to calm down after that three hours of an emotional, passionate conversation we had. So I will see you guys on Monday, June 22nd, for part two of the Nathan Gresham guest appearance on the podcast. Have a great weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed this week's episode of Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe, please subscribe to the podcast. You'll get alerts when new episodes air. Also check out Flight Attendant Joe on Facebook and Instagram. And if you still haven't had enough of me, (laughs) check out the blog at www.flightattendantjoe.com.